Best Buy unveils a smaller store. Google Maps begins work on its metaverse. An unlimited plan for just 25 bucks a month, plus your tech questions answered. What's going on? I'm Rich Demiro, and this is Rich on Tech, the podcast where I talk about the tech stuff I think you should know about, and I answer the questions you send me. I'm the tech reporter at KTLA Channel 5 in Los Angeles. Welcome to the show. Welcome to my friends on Instagram Live. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Oh, just kidding. I was reading the the end of the script. Oh, it's Friday where I am. You know, it could be Monday. It could be Tuesday. It could be any day when you're listening. But today is Friday when I record this. So, uh, welcome to the weekend if you are uh, listening to this before the weekend starts. If you listen to it after the weekend, uh, prep for your next weekend. So <laughs> looks like my wife and kids are joining on the live stream as well. Uh, this week, uh, th- let me just explain one cool thing about... Uh, did I already... I think I explained this last week. I'm, you know what? I'm, I don't want to tell the same story. I'm trying to think, when did I go to that? Yeah, I did. All right. Uh, do I have a story for this week? I don't really have a story for this this week. Usually I start the show with like a little tiny story, but I am so unprepared that, um, oh, you know, I'll tell you, I I got fitted for a suit this week. So, um, I was listening to a podcast, um, and I guess this goes to show the power of, of social media marketing, but I was listening to a podcast that I love. It's called the all in pod and it's uh, hosted by Jason Calacanis and others. And, um, he mentioned Indo, is it Indochino? Indochino. Indochino suits. And he's like, oh, you should get an Indochino suit. He just mentioned it in passing on the podcast. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So it's like a tech startup, but they're doing suits. So you go in there and you get measured for a suit and they, they make this custom suit and then they uh, ship it to you. And so I go in to the Americana at the, at the uh, Glendale Americana make my appointment. This little guy like measures me, you know, I I call him little guy. I mean, he's like, he was like a younger guy, younger than me, I guess. (laughs) And so he measures me all up and, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, taking every single, like, it's unbelievable how many little measurements. Maybe this is just typical if you get a, a fitted suit. I've never done that before. So I usually buy like a, you know, off the shelf kind of thing and, or off the rack. And so, uh, anyway, I got all, uh, measured up and I'm, my suit is arriving in a couple weeks and I thought it was pretty cool. So we'll see. Now, the neat thing is that once you have all of your sizes in their system, now you can just log in on the website and buy another suit. And so I thought that was pretty cool. So if this suit fits, which I hope it does, it better fit well with all the measurements they took, um, it would be really cool to just be able to go on there when I save up again for another suit and just buy another one in a different color or something. But I've been to you know a couple weddings, and I'm always like this guy that, you know, there's always like these guys at weddings that just look better than everyone else. Like they just dress nicer. And I've never been that guy. I'm always like the kind of, you know, I'll wear something nice, but it's never that nice. And so after this last wedding I went to, like my brother looked really good. My brother-in-law looked really good. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a nice suit for my next wedding. And so I've got a wedding coming up and not mine. Um, (laughs) My wedding was a long time ago. Um, But I got a wedding coming up and I don't know if this is going to make it in time, but I figured, you know what, let's look nice. And you can really customize everything. Like I thought when they start started going through like, oh, do you want brown buttons? Do you want um, green buttons? Do you want black buttons? Do you want the notch to be this way? Do you want the, the, everything was a custom. And so I was like, oh, here comes a sales pitch. And sure enough, everything's included in the price. And uh, Jessica's, or, or Jess, uh, Jay, Jay Singh is asking what the pricing is like. Uh, very reasonable, I think, for a custom suit. It was like $450 for the base suit, and then they go up from there. I just got the base. And so everything's included in that price, and they do run deals. Like I got like 25 bucks off because I was like a first-time customer. So yeah, it's expensive, but it's something that you hopefully wear for a long time. And at the same time, I asked the guy, I was like, well, what if I start like working out? Like, what if I'm, what if I get bigger than this suit or whatever? And he's like, don't. <laughs> like, okay. So I guess I have to stay uh, just the way I am. Um, all right, let's get to uh, the first story of the week. Uh, oh, wow. Pause to poor connection. Uh, let's get to the first story of the week. Um, Best Buy is testing out a new smaller format digital first store. What does this sound like? It sounds like the Apple store. So uh, first ever digital first store. This is a 5,000 square foot store in um, 
think it's in North Carolina. And so it opens, uh, it opened this week and here's the deal. So instead of having a bunch of stuff all stocked, you know, stacked up to the ceiling, this store has a bunch of stuff on, you know, kind of displays and then you scan a QR code if you want to buy it and then they bring it up to you just like the Apple store. So the Apple store doesn't have like thousands of Mac computers stacked up. Remember like the old big box stores? I mean, Best Buy, I guess. You know, they would have a computer monitor. They'd have 300 of them stacked up in the center of the store. You just pick one up and go. And so um, they realized that stores are getting smaller. They don't need all this space. And so why not just have a smaller format store? People are so used to using their phones. They scan the QR code. The associate brings it out from the back. You, you finish the transaction and you go. So they've got home audio, theater, uh, home theater, audio, computing, headphones, wearables, fitness, cell phones, cameras, smart home, small appliances. There are no big appliances, but they will have TV. Um, so they do have TVs, but uh, these are all curated. So the idea is that uh, this curated selection is like a couple of things, not a lot of things. And Steve, it's funny, mentioned on the uh, Instagram Live, they used to call that service merchandise. And absolutely... When I grew up in New Jersey, we had service merchandise and there was these big, there wasn't even anything on display. It was just these big giant books that you would flip through like a catalog and you would write down the numbers on this little piece of paper. You would give it to the associate. They would ring everything up and then you'd watch these giant box come skidding down some sort of like weird conveyor belt system they had. It was so weird as a kid to see that. But I thought it was really cool because it was very efficient. And, you know, over the years, we got into this, like, self-service model with these big box stores. And now we're sort of going back to the idea of, well, we don't necessarily need all this stock up front. Like this new Amazon-style store, you know, all the stock is in the back. And you scan it, and then they bring it to you. Now, we were just in there at the Americana as well. And I'll be honest... Um, it was a little bit of a, a process. You know, you scan the stuff, the, the clothes you want to try on with the barcode, and then they bring it to you, and it took a while. It was like a good 10 minutes, and with two kids running around the store, uh, my wife, you know, we were like, ah, I don't know if we want to do this. I don't know if we want to wait, but we decided that it's the best if you're, if you're by yourself and you have a lot of time because she was like, oh, I'll just buy it on Amazon. I'll buy the two sizes and return it, and I said, well, we're right here. Why, why go through all that? You know, it's a lot of waste by buying the medium and the large size or the small and the extra, whatever, you know, cause that's what a lot of people do when they buy clothes online. It's, it's kind of this, uh, you know, you try it and you have to return the one that doesn't fit. And so by having that store there, you can try them on in the store. And, you know, if you have your time, if you've got the patience, it's, actually a better experience because you leave with what you need and you know the size that you want because you've tried it on. Um, I bought some jeans there. I bought Amazon jeans, Amazon essentials. They're not, honestly, I've worn them a couple times. They're not my favorite jeans. Um, it's funny, after all these years, I came back to Levi's that I, I was putting them on this morning and I was like, God, I really like these jeans. Like they're just standard Levi's jeans. And for me, I'm the kind of person, once I find something that fits, I just keep buying that over and over. Like I, I like this one t-shirt um, from Kohl's of all places. And I, I got one of them for my mom as a gift. I put it on. I was like, oh, I like the way this fits. It's a little stretchy. It just, it, when it washes, it doesn't like get all bent out of shape. And so I went back to Kohl's and I literally bought every single color of that t-shirt in every, you know, that's it. It's just like, and these jeans, I'm going to buy another pair of these jeans when I, when I like them. Also, Target jeans fit very well. Um, the, uh, the Goodfellow brand, I like those as well. Anyway, this store is, uh, is already open, and they do have stuff where you can grab and go, like kind of like cases, you know, phone cases and stuff like that. So they do have... Anyway, it's kind of a departure for Best Buy because we think of them as a big box store, but this digital uh, first small format store is kind of like the new way of the world. I don't think we're going to see them building a lot of giant big box stores in the future. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that this idea of kind of bridging that digital and kind of um, physical gap is kind of like the new way of the world. We'll see. All right, let's get to the first question of the podcast. Sharon writes in, do I need Windows Defender on my Samsung Galaxy S21? And to be quite honest, I didn't even know that Microsoft had sort of an antivirus program for Android. Uh, Microsoft Defender is what I recommend you should have on your computer, if you're running Windows, it's built into Windows 11, 
And so I would recommend you uh, having that up to date, having that active. And I don't really know if you necessarily need a separate antivirus program on your computer. The number one way that viruses get on computers these days is really through malware when you are clicking links uh, that come in through email. And so um, most of the time when you're surfing the web, you're probably not going to get a, a side, I call it like a, a side-by download of, a, of an app. You know, it's really if you're, if you're downloading an app that's an executable, like an EXE app, and you double-click it, those are the biggest danger to your system. But Windows has gotten really good about figuring out you know, trusted developers and trusted apps versus untrusted apps. So if you're downloading some random app and it's untrusted, you'll get a message on your computer saying, hey, do you really want to run this? Um, you know, PDFs can also be a, a concern and also uh, Word files, like real Word files that have macros in them can also be a problem. On your phone, I think things are a little bit less scary because, you know, on Android, yes, you can install an APK, like an application. Uh, you can sideload it, which means you can get that from anywhere. But again, the phones have gotten a little bit smarter about saying, hey, you sure you want to run this application? It can harm your system. So it gives you that little like pause. Um, so let's see. Microsoft Defender is a unified online security app, provides indi individuals online security for your personal life. Um, it doesn't really say what it does. But it looks like, um, yeah, it looks like it just kind of protects, uh, oh, it scans your apps, it scans your link, malware, web protection, and history. So it can't hurt. Look, if you feel like you are uh, clicking a bunch of stuff, getting a bunch of random apps on your phone, sure, this can't hurt. I personally think that most of the time your biggest protection is to really just know what you're clicking uh, the links that you're clicking, the apps that you're downloading, and whatever you're doing, just always be cautious. I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest problems too is phishing. So when you get these emails from Amazon that says, hey, did you just make a $655 purchase? If not, don't worry, just click this link or give us a phone call. And that's really where you get nabbed because those are just scam artists that are waiting for your phone call. And when you call them, they say, okay, let's verify your Amazon account. Please give me your email address. You give them that. Okay, now we're going to send you a link uh, or a text to your phone with a code please give us that code so we can verify it's you. And as soon as you give them that code, they steal your account. So that's what you need to really be concerned about. More so than just, you know, these blanket defender programs that give you maybe a false sense of security. I think that you really, really need to just um, stay on your toes when it comes to what you're doing on the internet. All right, what should I talk about next? Uh, let's see. Um, I thought this was interesting. Boost Mobile. Remember Boost Mobile? So Boost Mobile is now owned by Dish Network. I guess they don't even know if they're Dish Network. I think it's just called Dish. Um, it is called Dish Network. So Boost is coming back. You know, remember Boost was, it used to be, it was owned by Sprint at one point. Then I think it was owned by T-Mobile at one point. They sold it to Dish. So now they're relaunching this entire um, this entire wireless carrier and it runs, I, I asked them, I said, hey, what does this run on? And they told me it runs on a combination of T-Mobile and AT&T. Now, I'm guessing it leans more towards the T-Mobile than the AT&T, um, but I could be wrong. I don't know. So if T-Mobile works really well in your area, um, then maybe this is a good thing. But it's, it's $25 a month for unlimited. It's not a temporary promotion. Um, there's no, you know, like Mint Mobile is really good but they do require you to pay like three months at a time to get their best rates. And so um, also, you know, uh, Visible is really good and they have a $25 plan, but you have to be in like a family, like a, a pay plan thing, which is easy to do. Um, but, you know, a lot of the carriers, when you see the prices advertised, they are because you're buying four lines. Like it's very misleading. When you're seeing these ads on TV or these ads online, it's like Verizon, $40, $50. And that's as if you're buying four lines. So um, if you have one line, it's way more expensive. It's like closer to $90. So this is $25 unlimited. Um, they say it's about 50% less than what consumers pay for the same 5G networks on other carriers. And it's $25 a month. You get unlimited talk, unlimited text, and 5G when you're on auto pay. So you do have to be on auto pay. This is sort of a prepaid plan, but it's, you know, you just put on auto pay and you're good. 
So would I recommend this? Uh, I have requested Boost Mobile to send me a, uh, a SIM card to test it out. So they will send me that. I'll get that in the next couple weeks. I will test it out. I'll put it in a phone. I will just kind of put it through its motions, see how it is. Um, see what the speeds are like, see if I become slowed down at any time during the month. But, you know, they. I think the fine print says that if you use over 30 gigabytes, they can slow you down. And that's like every wireless carrier. I think T-Mobile does have a plan and AT&T have plans that are like premium plans that say we will not slow you down no matter what. But you just have to make sure, um, I think for most people, if you're just using this regularly, you're not going to run into that that giant um that throttling, unless you're doing a ton on your phone. But I think for the average person, you'll be fine. So 25 bucks, definitely something to consider. Again, I think this is going to probably lean heavily on T-Mobile, some on uh, AT&T. But again, that's another thing that I'll test when I'm in my uh, testing is see kind of like what kind of AT, you know, if it's saying it's on the AT&T network or if it's saying it's on the the T-Mobile network. Um, Extra long nails, honey, says they do slow you down. So, okay, um, there you go. Um, so I think that I, I, I have Verizon personally, and honestly, uh, I, have, I keep waiting for the day when they slow me down, and they pretty much never do. And I, I use a ton of data. Like, I'm talking tons and tons of data. So um, it's one of these things where I think if you're just using it regularly, it should be fine. If you're in a congested area, it could be a little bit... Um, a little bit trickier. Um, all right, let's get to the next question of the podcast here. All right, Derek says, hey, Rich, are you a big fan of air tags? If so, when you attach them to luggage, do you hide them in a pouch or do you attach them to the outside for others to see? What are your favorite air tag accessories? Also, besides luggage, backpacking, keys, what other areas are air tags useful? Enjoy the day. Love the podcast, Derek. Derek, I am a big fan of AirTags. I think they're fantastic, although I've been using them for a year. And um, I will tell you a story. Uh, My wife did lose an AirTag at the beach when I first gave it to her for her keys. I guess she detached her keys from the AirTag for some reason. I don't know why. Left it at the beach, and we did find it a year later. So um, it it was still just kind of percolating down at the beach um, at a restaurant, and it was still there. Someone put it at, uh, the, I guess, the lost and found, and they... They had it there. So we were at the beach and I said, oh my gosh, this is still here. Let's go inside and, and see if uh, if it's, you know, with the lost and found folks. And sure enough, they, it was beeping in the lost and found and it was uh, it was still there. So there's been plenty of stories of people of finding these things. My one tip to you right now, if you've been using an AirTag since they came out, I would definitely check on the battery situation because batteries are going dead on these things because it's been about a year. So I have AirTags on my luggage. I've got them on my keys. Um, what else? I've, I've put them in my kid's pocket <laughs> when we went to Disneyland, and I just kind of like had, you know, a, an AirTag there. Um, you know, you can put them anywhere. Whatever you want. Whatever you want to keep track of, you can do it. Now, like I said, that was a, a, a rare case scenario with the keys with my wife. I have yet to have to use these things, but I have seen where things are. So I've looked on the Find My app and I've seen, okay, my backpack is here. I know my keys are here, but I haven't had a real like mission to find something that I've needed that's been attached to an AirTag, like my keys or like a, a lost wallet. I don't, um, I don't have one in my wallet. I wish I did. Um, there's something called Chipotle Spot, and that works with the Find My Network, and so you can get that. And it did do make a. It's called the Card Spot, and that is a card that slips into your wallet that does use the Find My Network. So it's kind of like an AirTag, but it's a different brand, but it still uses Apple's uh, Find My Network, which is the best in the business. I think someone asked on the um, on the comments. Tile versus um, AirTag. Look, you know, Tile, I have not tested in a long time, so I I should probably retest that. But Tile's finding network is just not as great as Apple's. Apple is using every iPhone and every iPad and every MacBook computer in the world to find your stuff. There are a lot of those. Tile is using Amazon devices that people have opted uh, to let them use. I guess they haven't, if they haven't opted out. Um, 
And so that has the potential to be bigger. They're also using the Life360 app at this point. And so Tile was purchased by Life360 and anyone who has that app installed on their phone theoretically will begin to help find Tile devices. I don't know if that has happened just yet, I'm sure it takes a little bit of time for this stuff to, to actually start working, but that will make the tile very competitive with the AirTag. I'm not sure 100%, but I still think the AirTag is just designed better. Like it's just the overall, like the fact that it's built into all of the Apple products really makes it very, very advantageous for finding stuff. So for your luggage, yeah, when I was in Europe, I checked to see if my luggage had made it. And I was like, okay, the luggage is at this airport. So I thought that was kind of cool, even before, you know, it comes out on the luggage conveyor belt. So there's little there's little advantages to AirTags. They're kind of those things you just set and forget. You just kind of put them on stuff and then you just forget about it until you need it. And when you do need it, it's kind of handy. Um, I know there are AirTag accessories for uh, pets. You can put it around the pet's uh, collar, like you get like an AirTag for their collar. Or you can get a collar that has like an AirTag hanger on it. Um, also for kids, I know they make a, a band, like an AirTag band. But you have to keep in mind, AirTags do not have built-in GPS. So they will rely on, on a phone or device being nearby for them to be located. So if there's no phone or, or whatever, like let's say you're in the middle of a desert. Um, let's say you dropped your kid in like the middle of a desert and you walked away, you know, you would not, it would show you the last known location of that air tag. But it, if your kid started walking towards you, it may not show that location because there's no, nothing that that little air tag can ping off of to get a new location. So you have to understand how air tags work to understand why they're brilliant, but also there are limitations of that system. So if you just dropped an air tag out of an airplane into like a forest, you probably wouldn't be able to locate that unless a hiker walked by the AirTag and it pinged that little iPhone in the hiker's pocket and then it said, okay, now I've got a lock in this location. Um, for, for respect to the luggage, uh, Derek, I know that you should probably put them inside your luggage because you probably want them hidden from people. I just think it looks cool on my luggage, so I leave it on the outside. It's like a kind of like hanging off the luggage. So I, I think it just looks cooler that way, and so I keep it on the outside. Yes, someone could theoretically just snatch the AirTag and throw it away and then steal my luggage, but you know what? That's the risk I'm willing to take just to look cool. All right, good question. Let's get to another topic of the show. Uh, Facebook is uh, raising the price of the Oculus Quest. Uh, this is this is theoretically called the MetaQuest 2. This is their virtual reality headset. It's going to cost $100 more starting August 1st. Kind of odd for a product that's been out for two years for them to raise the price, but let's be honest, every price has gone up in the past year or so past year, past two years, I, I can't think of a product or service that I subscribe to that has not gone up. If you pay for gas, if you pay for groceries, if you pay for um, you know every single little service that I subscribe to, they have all gone up. And so it's just the reality of our times right now, everything's getting more expensive. And that includes gadgets. I mean, these things, what I've noticed with gadgets is there's two ways they can do it. Well, there's two ways, I guess, prices can go up in general. Number one, they can just raise the price. Or number two, they can cut back on something that is maybe included with that gadget. So with this MetaQuest 2, this is uh, you know Facebook's virtual reality goggles that are very, very popular, by the way. They are just raising the price by 100 bucks. Now, I was listening to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, and they said that um, they were going to include a game now that they didn't include before. And... Um, but, you know, the reality is if you have your eye on one of these headsets, maybe you want to purchase it before the first. But, you know, don't rush out and get it if you can't. These things typically go on sale. And so I have a feeling that even though the price is going up $100, when it comes time during the holidays for these sales to start, the prices, um, you know, will go down maybe you know, probably by $50, maybe not by $100. So that'll still make it $50 more than it is today. But, you know, it's one of these things just to know that it's happening. Now, Facebook's coming out with another version of their uh, VR headset, but apparently that's going to be $800. So if you're waiting for like the new and improved version, probably going to be even more expensive, but just something to keep an eye on. And Gabby says on the uh, Instagram chat, my gym membership is still the same. Yay. I had a gym membership and uh, every year like clockwork, it would just go up every single year by five bucks, 10 bucks. And it was just so kind of annoying because the service at the gym kept going down and the price just kept going up. And it was an expensive gym to begin with. So, 
you know, I keep seeing that $9.99 advertised price for the uh, Planet Fitness, and I'm like, how are they doing that for $9.99 a month? I don't get it. I don't understand how a gym could be 10 bucks a month. Uh, that's an amazing price, and I'm tempted to join just for that price tag because I, I just want to see, like, what a gym is like for $9.99. I mean, that's, that's, like, quite the price tag. All right, let's get to the next question of the podcast. Melissa says, when I open up my Safari on iOS... I see a section below that reads privacy report. Should I or can I delete this information on my phone but continue having the app on for does the privacy report matter? I opened it up on iOS. I don't remember turning it on, but it looks good. Uh, it looks like it's obviously giving me a report on my privacy. I'm sure glad that you are so good at what you do. Thanks for getting back to me with my questions, Melissa. Melissa, this is a feature that's built into Safari on iOS and on um, also on the desktop. So Safari has something built in called um, third-party cookie blocking. And it also, it does a lot, like Safari does a lot of stuff uh, for privacy purposes. Let me open up Safari on my computer just to see what it says. So it blocks trackers by default. Um, oh, see, I don't have this like, okay. So there is a, okay. So it tracks, uh, it blocks trackers from profiling you. It, um, it just basically blocks, oh, and prevents trackers from viewing your IP address and showing you across websites and following you across websites. So it, it does cross-site trackers. It blocks those. Intelligent tracking prevention uses on-device machine learning to identify trackers and um Accessing identifying information, iCloud Private Relay adds a layer of protection by um, preventing websites from viewing your IP address. So even if a website, even if the trackers are blocked on a website, the websites still know your IP address. And Phil is saying incognito mode. The, the fallacy about incognito mode is that it protects your privacy. Now, what our incognito mode does is all it, all it does is keep a record of whatever websites you went to off of your browsing history, it does not keep those websites from being able to identify who you are by your IP address and other methods. So if you're visiting a website over and over, that website can recognize that it's you coming back because they've identified your IP address. Now, some of the newer browsers like Safari will cloud or uh, will cloak your IP address or change it and so that it makes it a little bit tougher. But believe me, these companies are very smart. Incognito mode does not protect your employer from seeing the website that you're going to or your internet service providers. I've said this before. Whoever is providing your internet connection, that pipe that gets you onto the internet, whether it is uh, you know, Spectrum or AT&T or uh, a hotel Wi-Fi, they can still see the websites that you're going to. They may not be able to see what you're doing on those websites, you know, the search terms that you're doing or your banking or your email, but they can see that you visited, say, Gmail or Overstock.com or whatever website that you might be going to. So keep in mind that this, you know, this idea of private browsing is only so private. A VPN is a better way of doing that. If you really want to protect the website address that you're going to, you need to look for a no-log VPN. Uh, last I interviewed a VPN expert, he recommended Mulvad, which was the VPN of his choice, M-U-L-L-V-A-D. And uh, you have to pay for it. I think it's like five bucks a month at least. Uh, let's see how much it is. Uh, pricing is one month, yeah, $5 a month. So you know, you're going to pay for this stuff. These, this, this free ride with all these services are just over. So anyway, to answer your question, uh, Melissa, about this privacy report, it's totally fine. It's nice to see it. If you don't like it, you can turn it off. So when you're on that page, when you open up a new page on um, Safari, just scroll down. There's an edit button. You can press edit, and then you can just toggle that privacy report on or off. Um, JK says VPNs are recommended for people who use the dark web. Unfortunately, they have uh, less government oversight, but more international military protection. So, uh, yeah, that's another thing. The VPNs could be good for if you're in a in a foreign country that does not allow access to the website that you are trying to make it to. Like in China, if you're trying to use Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, a lot of these websites are blocked, and so. Um, you know, you just can't get to them unless you have a VPN. I've I've been in that uh, ex I've been in that place, and believe me, it's just 
really frustrating that you can't access just very standard websites. Uh, Mando says, non-tech question. Have you ever been to San Diego Comic-Con? Thoughts on the experience? Yes, I have. I did not go this year, uh, but I've been many years in the past, and it's, it's really fun. People that go to Comic-Con are very kind. Some of them look very scary because they're in like these get-ups, you know, like the, I don't know if they're allowed to, yeah, I guess you can still dress up, but they're in like, you know, like these, uh, when, what was that show that was really popular? The, uh, the Walking Dead. So you'd see these people like, you know, look like zombies and this, or they're like all these like clowns and evil clowns and stuff. And like, they look really scary, but they're like the nicest people ever. I always found that to be funny whenever, like I've done a lot of behind the scenes stuff with like, you know like a scary farm or like whatever, like not scary farm. And the people are all dressed up with a chainsaw, but like they're just really nice, like an actor or something. It's very odd. (sighs) Okay, let's get to another topic of the podcast. Let's see, what do I want to talk about? Um, Oh, Spotify is discontinuing their car thing. So Spotify came up with this thing called car thing. Let me know if you use it in the comments or if you got one of these things. So this, the idea of car thing is that you were able to um, use Spotify in a car that only had an auxiliary input. And that auxiliary input uh, was, you know, you typically need like an, I don't know, like an R, whatever. You, th- the point is, this was like a little gadget that had a screen and a, ro- a rotating um, wheel, and it just made it really easy to use Spotify in an older car. And I guess nobody used it. <laughs> so uh, I guess it was not very popular. So Spotify is going to take a $31 million charge, basically a write-off. Like they, they have $31 million related to this product that is not going to see the light of day. I got an email saying, hey, do you want to buy one for 50% off? I think the thing was invite only when it started. I emailed Spotify, said, hey, can I get one to test? Never heard back. So um I guess who who won in this situation? Spotify. Maybe if you had more people reviewing it, maybe it would have uh, worked better. Maybe it would have gotten the word out more. But they ignored me on that. And um, this was $90 when it started. Now it is 50% off of that, so $45. But they're discontinuing it. So if you have one, it will work. It will continue to work. But it's just one of these things that... uh, Mr. Fit RN says, I stopped using Spotify and just use SiriusXM and iTunes. I use Spotify. I actually uh, had to subscribe to Spotify when I got my Tesla because that is the service that is integrated into the Tesla. And I love it. I mean, Spotify, I think, is really, really good. Um, but I also get YouTube music included for free with my YouTube membership. And so, personally, if I had a choice, I would just use YouTube. Now, I was using Apple Music when my Apple Watch would only work with Apple Music. And this is the thing that really bugs me about all of this stuff. Every one of these companies, you know, you, and I've said this before, and it's just, it's, I'm like a broken record on this, but it used to be when tech started, the people who started these tech companies, they had our best intentions at mind, right? So when you started like YouTube Music or, or whatever it was, whatever the product was, these were nerds that started it. And nerds kind of like things to be open source and they like things to be you know, available to everyone because that's what the internet was all about at the beginning. Well, then as corporate interests kind of plied their way more into all of these services like a YouTube Music or an Apple Music or a Spotify, they say, well, let's, uh, let's make this only work with this product because we have a deal with... Um, we have a deal with Samsung on the on their watches now, so only Spotify is going to work there. Uh, we have a deal with Tesla. Only Spotify is going to work there. Apple, we make the HomePod. We're only going to let Apple Music work on that. And, oh, we'll throw you a bone. We'll let Pandora work on that. But it's kind of complicated. I mean, it's just not fun for the average consumer to have to deal with all of these silos. Like I'm looking around my house and I'm like, oh, that device only works with that service and this device. I actually wanted to come up with a spreadsheet of the perfect music service. I was going to list all my things like Tesla, HomePod, Sonos. Sonos is the only product around that works with everything. They are truly the Switzerland of streaming services, but little caveat here. When they came out with their uh, voice service, their voice service does not work with Spotify or YouTube Music, two of the biggest music services out there. So it's like, I literally need a spreadsheet to figure out which one to subscribe to because not everything works with everything out there. And it's very, very frustrating for the average consumer. Anyway, so Spotify car thing is dead. 
Uh, you're probably not going to hear about that, but it makes sense. I mean, what was the what was the point of Spotify car thing? I mean, how many people still have old cars that they that that want to plug uh, a high tech little Spotify into? I think that those people have cell phones, and they've already figured out that they could just if they have an aux port, they just plug in their cell phone into that aux port. And if they don't have an aux port, we're talking really old cars. They probably already got an FM transmitter. And if they have a really old car, they probably got a cassette tape that goes into their phone. So this expensive car thing that requires a subscription to Spotify only appeals to a very, very small amount of people. And so I think that um, that's why this was not very popular. When you're talking Spotify, by the way, has 433 million followers or uh, subscribers or I guess active users. That's not subscribers. Active users, I should say. Um, I think it's just a tiny percentage of those fall into that category of, oh, I really want this high-tech thing, but I'm going to connect it in an old-school way. And John says the fact that Teslas don't have CarPlay baffles me 100%. Every day I look at that screen, I'm like, oh, Tesla's done a nice thing. Like, this is this is pretty, but just give me CarPlay. Why do you have to reinvent the wheel? Just, just give me CarPlay. Give me Android Auto with one software update. Tesla can make the would make so many drivers infinitely happier by just enabling CarPlay on that giant beautiful screen. Just let me have it. Why do I need to use your weird screen that like I just mm. <sighs> I don't want to go off, but it's just like it, it's just every single day. This is why my wife gets in my car and she has Sirius XM. She loves it because guess what? She gets Sirius XM when she gets into her car, it starts playing it's always playing. It's always working. It's no fiddling. I get into my car every single time. I need to press five or 10 or 15 buttons to get music going. It's never continuing because Spotify does this weird thing where when you play it in your house, it stops in your car. When you play it in your car, it stops in your house. And when you choose a different station at home, it transfers that to your car. When you open the door of the car, it stops in the house. It's like this, they, they engineered it to like be seamless, but it actually does not work out. So for me... I would just rather just have something that starts playing when I open my car door. And yes, the radio does that, which is fine. And I do have so many, I do have actually like a fail safe when my, because sometimes, by the way, the Sirius does not download. It has to stream every time. So nothing's like on your car. So where I live, for some reason, it just doesn't like the signal. So I get into my car and it's like just spinning, spinning, spinning until I drive like all the way to the freeway and then finally it comes to like, uh, uh, I know, first world problems. First world problems, I know. Let's get to another question. Uh, this is not a question, it's a comment. Kathy says, hey Rich, we're sitting in our beautiful Hilton condo in Waikoloa, Hawaii by Kona with the news on in the background and suddenly we hear a very familiar voice. Our Rich sure gets around heart and flower. Oh, that's so nice of you, Kathy. Yeah, people don't realize um, that I'm on in Los Angeles, but the segment is sent out to like 100 TV stations and they just run it when they want to. And so uh, Hawaii apparently likes to run it a lot And so I always say, every time I get an email from Hawaii, I'm like, I need to go there. I need to see what my segment looks like on TV in Hawaii. Don't you think? I think that makes a lot of sense. But yes, um, I love my viewers in Hawaii. Thank you so much for watching. It's funny, every time someone from LA travels somewhere else, they they start they have the TV on and all of a sudden I pop up because our our company owns so many TV stations all around the world. No, not around the world, just around the US. And uh, it You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised where Rich on Tech pops up. All right, since that wasn't really a question, I will ask another question. Jerry says, how to remove your personal info from Google search results? I also saw this from Discover. Any thoughts? Uh, And he included a picture of Discover's privacy protection. And I got a bunch of emails about this. So um, privacy protection from Discover is a new perk. Um, And if you have it, I guess they've been sending people emails about this perk. And what they do is, this is according to the PointSky website, uh, you can enable this new privacy protection in the Discover mobile app. It's free for credit card and banking customers. Once you enable it, it searches 10 common websites that collect and sell personal information online. That includes data like your name, your address, your age, your phone number. And it covers the following annoying websites. 
Intellis, been verified, yellowpages.com, addresses.com, peoplelooker.com, anywho.com, instantpeoplefinder.com, peoplesmart.com, ussearch.com, zabasearch.com. It will search these sites every 90 days, and if it finds a match, it will submit an opt-out request on your behalf. So I say 100% do this. If this is offered as a privacy choice, do it. So um, I have done many segments with a woman named Haley Kaplan. Uh, She has a website called whatisprivacy.com, and she is fantastic about this stuff. So my advice is to get your personal information off as many websites as possible, Um, Why? It's just annoying, number one. Um, Number two, it's just, it's anytime you buy a house or do any sort of public transaction, your information is out there. Now, is it bad if you're just an average regular person? I mean, it's, it's annoying at most, but it could be scary at best if people are trying to figure out who you are, where you live, all that good stuff, your phone number, it could be used for spam, your email address, whatever. So if you can opt out automatically using this free service, I would 100% do that. Um, The other thing is you can manually opt out of these websites, and I've done it myself. It is a very big process. It is not easy. Uh, I've actually consulted with Haley about getting uh, some of my information off some of the tougher websites. Google lets you do this, but it's not easy. It's it's not for the faint of heart. It, It is almost impossible to find a way to get your information off these sites. But when you do it, they a lot of times it's a process, but it does work. And you can get your information off of there. It just pops up again if you do another transaction. So you just have to uh, you know, know that it's not going to be perfect. You, know, you get it off of one, it could be on another. But I would do this if Discover's offering this for free, 100% do it. I would definitely do that. Uh, the less information you have out there about yourself, the better. Uh, any app to block phone numbers not listed on my phone book asks, uh, on Instagram, uh, on iPhone, you can, uh, you you can go into phone settings and you can block unknown numbers, um, block unknown callers. It is, I I personally would not do this because I feel like, um, I don't know. You just don't want to, I just, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to block all these people that I don't know, because what if I get a call from someone that I want? So here's how you do it. If you want to do it, go to settings, go to phone, scroll down, and there's a thing called tap, uh, uh, silence unknown callers. You tap it and you turn it on. Silenced, uh, unknown numbers are silenced. They're sent to your voicemail and they will appear in your recent call list. I personally don't want to do that. Because it just, I'd rather get the spam calls than have calls blocked because sometimes unknown numbers are important. Could be your kid's school, um, could be um, could be anything. So I'd just rather pick up the phone number if it's random. And I will pick up random calls every once in a while. Sometimes I'll just let them go to voicemail. Other times I will, um, I'll just pick them up and just say, hey, what's going on? Who is this? Usually you can tell in a second if it's spam. All right. Uh, Oh, speaking of spam, this is something that I think you should do immediately. Google Calendar has this new uh, setting, and I would do this. So do you remember back in the day, I don't know if it happens as much anymore, but back in the day, people were getting a lot of calendar spam. So you would go on your calendar, and you would look, and there'd be an event listed there that is a spam event. And what they were trying to make you do is click some sort of link in the event, calendar event. Um, Bad stuff. And so this was really, really annoying for a while when the spammers recognized that they can do this or realized they can do it. And there was really no way to turn it off very easily. There were some methods, but now Google has come up with a method. So now to keep your Google Calendar free from spam, there's an option to display events on your calendar only if they come from a sender you know. If you select this option, you'll still get email event invitations from unknown senders, but they will only appear on your calendar after you accept. So what you need to do is go into your Google Calendar, go into your settings, go into your event settings, and there is a section called add invitations to my calendar only if the sender is known. And so you select that and basically it will uh, include people in your company domain. It will keep people in your contacts list, keep people that you've interacted with before. But if you get a random person sending you a calendar invite that's probably spam, it will just uh, not put it automatically on your calendar. It will just send it to your email and say, hey, do you want to put this, do you want to accept this and put this on your 
calendar. I think that's a great little feature. I'm definitely turning that on for sure. Uh, Nessa says, can you do that with iPhones? Uh, yes, you would have to do this setting though in uh, Google Calendar on the web. So go on the web, go to Google Calendar, put those in your settings, and then you should be able to, uh, that, that would take, that would still take hold on your iPhone. So good little tip there from Google, brand new feature. And um, I got a lot of people on the, uh, the chat talking about the spam callers. Yes, all of the major carriers offer a spam filtering app. So um, AT&T has Call Protect, Verizon has Call Filter, and T-Mobile has Scam Guard. You can download those apps, you can activate them, and they will help. Doesn't, um, it doesn't get every call, believe me, I still get spam callers, but it is something that definitely helps. So if you want, install it, it's free. Uh, all the major carriers have something that does help with spam, so for sure do that. All right, let's get to the next email. All right, uh, let's see. Diana says, hey, Rich, I love your podcast. Last night I was looking at my iPhone for some travel reservations that I store in my Gmail folder. As I click to open the folder, I watch all current to December 2020 stored mail disappear. I checked another folder. Same thing happened. It's happening to all current to 2020 disappeared. Why? I'm afraid to check another folder. What's happening? I have all Apple products. I checked my iPad. Same thing. Gone. Help, Diana. Uh, Diana, this could be a fluke, but it also could be in your settings. Um, sometimes I think that these email services only keep a certain amount of emails, like going back to a certain amount of time. So if it's from 2020 to current, that is odd that they would be disappearing. Um, if it's before 2020, it could be the fact that they just don't sync email before that. So I, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, I personally don't use the mail app on my iPhone. I use Gmail. I do have the mail app logged in for a reason. That is so that Siri can identify people in callers. Okay, a, a little aside. So the, you ever, if someone ever calls your phone and you know how it says maybe and it's got the person's name, the, the way it's getting that is it's using signals from your text messages and your emails. So if someone sends you an email and they have a signature underneath their email with their uh, phone number, that next time that person calls, even if they're not in your address book, Siri says, oh, I remember that person had their phone number in their signature and it was this person's name. Now they're calling from that phone number. I will say maybe it's John from the bank's office or whatever, you know, whoever it was. So that's where they're getting that information for maybe. And for that reason, that's why I always log into my Gmail on my uh, phone through the mail app because that's where Siri is gathering that information. Siri can't look into the Gmail app, but they can look into the um, the mail app. And so that's where I use that, uh, that feature to come in handy. So it's a great little feature because uh, especially with me and my job and I, you know, other jobs, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people are, um, you know, are calling you. If you're a realtor, you're getting calls from various people that might've emailed you. You know, if you're a journalist like I am, I'm always getting PR people calling me. And so I can identify those people because they sent me an email at some point and in their email signature was their phone number. And so I'm like, ah, okay, that's that person. Uh, anyway, so Diana, what I would do is if this is uh, continuing to happen, I would delete the Gmail out of your um, settings and I would just like reset it up and hopefully that would trigger it to download the emails once again. But this seems like a fluke. Maybe you had a bad connection. Maybe uh, setting got changed, but I don't think that it's meant to work this way. I mean, you should have a certain amount of back email on your phone. I know it doesn't download all of it at the same time because that could be a significant amount of email. But if it's something before 2020, that would make sense that maybe your phone just doesn't have that email lo stored locally. And sometimes when you search on your phone, it takes a little longer because it's actually searching um, online. When the iPhone first came out, this was kind of a major problem because connectivity on the iPhone was so bad when it first came out. So anything that had to go to the cloud, like when you're searching your email, it was really bad because it was looking on your, you know, it was looking on the server for any sort of emails that weren't locally stored. And it was just like game over. Like you're not finding that email for an hour because the, the AT&T network at that point was so bad that I, it was just having an early iPhone. 
Oh, it was it was horrible. The the connectivity, even though this phone was so magical and so amazing, the AT&T network was so nascent. It was so new that it just was painful. And it was the only by the way, the only network you can get the iPhone on for many many years was was AT&T. And I'll never forget the day that Verizon had the iPhone. I ran into the Verizon store and got it. And I got the, I switched to Verizon that day because the network was just so much better. <sighs> anyway, what's next? Another story? Do we have time for another story? Yes, we do. Oh, as I predicted, the Pixel 6a. I talked about it in last week's podcast. Pixel 6a is the new budget phone to beat. Fantastic budget phone if you can deal with a slower than typical fingerprint reader and a slower than typical screen. Otherwise, the camera is fantastic, the price is fantastic, the software is fantastic, the size is fantastic. Everything about the Pixel 6a is really good for a basic budget phone, except the price tag. I predicted that the price tag of 450 would go down to 399, which is much more reasonable for this phone. In fact, I would even I would even predict that during the holidays this phone's going to be $349, which is $100 off the price tag right now. Lo and behold, uh, 9 to 5 Google reporting that Pixel 6a is basically $399 right now because they're giving you a $50 Google Store credit if you buy it. Now, that's not $50 off the price of the phone, but it is $50 that you can use towards something else, which I know you have to find something else to buy, but at the same time, you know, you can get a case for free. That's that's $30. The leather case is $50, so it kind of is like $50 off the price of the phone. So um, anyway, I called it. I knew it was going to happen. I, I, I'm pegging the price point for this phone to be about $399, not $450. I think I will either even predict that it's going to go down to $349 during the holidays. So be on the lookout for that. If you have your eye on this phone, no need to get it today. Pixel phones age. Um, I think they age decently with the software, but um, you have to you know just keep your eye on it. I don't think you need to get it right now, but definitely a budget phone that I will recommend throughout the next year. Wendy says, hey, Rich, do you know of any website that tracks when a hotel has undergone a major remodel or basic refresh? I know I can call the hotel and ask, but when you're trying to choose among several hotel choices, it would be much easier to look up on a website. Thanks for your recent video about TripAdvisor. I love the tricks you demonstrate on everything. Thanks again, Wendy. Wendy, I thought I was the only crazy person that actually cared about when a hotel was last remodeled, but I guess I'm not. So I'm glad to know that there are other people like myself that like to stay in fresh and clean hotel rooms or brand new hotels, hotels that were just built. Um, I do not know of a website that, that aggregates this information for every hotel. Now I've seen this information on hotel listings, um, you know, every once in a while, you'll see it says hotel remodel 2008, 2020, whatever. Um, I think on the Marriott app, sometimes they list this, um, but it's not one of those things that is always readily available. And I agree. I think that TripAdvisor would be a perfect place for this information to be listed because I love it. If a, if a hotel was remodeled five years ago, it's like, okay, that hotel is going to be a little bit nicer than a hotel that was remodeled, you know, 15 years ago. So I don't know of, a, of an app that does this. If you know of an app that does this, please let me know. Hello at richontech.tv. And if you're not following me on Instagram, please follow me. I am at richontech. I've been trying to do more reels. I've been trying to do more informational reels. Like sometimes I just know certain little tips and tricks and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that not everyone knows that. Like I'll be doing something in front of a friend or family member or I'll be fixing their phone and I do something real quick and they're like, wait, what was that? You can put your phone on 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 um, low power mode. What? How'd you do that? I was like, oh, you didn't know that? Okay, let me show you how to do it. So I've been trying to put a little bit of those tips, but the problem is I'm always worried that people are going to make fun of me on Instagram for being like, Rich, everyone knows that tip. Come on, dude, give me a break. Uh, that's like the, the most basic tip ever. But I have to ride this line of there are a lot of people out there that do not know technology. And so, yes, if you're following me on Instagram, maybe you know technology, maybe you've known that tip forever, but there's also, you know, a hundred other people that have never seen that tip. Um, like for instance, something I use all the time on my web browser is uh, command shift T, which will bring up the last tab that you close. Like if you close the tab, I use this every single day. If you close the tab by accident, you need to open it back up. You just command shift T it and it's like, boom, it opens up the last tab. 
And so that's like one of those things that I know. I'm like, oh, should I share that as a tip? I don't know if it's worth the 60-second reels, but maybe it is. Anywho. All right. Do I have any other stories I want to talk about? Oh, yeah. One other thing. Oh, this is another thing I did on Instagram Reels. And by the way, Instagram Reels take way longer to make than you might think. So I am working a full day at my TV job, and then I'm trying to, you know, do another like Instagram Reel, and I'm like, oh, let me just bang this out real quick. And it's like, no, it's it takes an hour, an hour and a half to actually do some of these reels. So um, forgive me if I'm not doing a reel every single day. Um, what? Icy Lasagna is saying any update on the Indochino story. No, no update just yet. I haven't gotten any, you know, anything yet. I haven't got my suit yet. So I will update you. Maybe I'll do like a fitting. Like I'll do like a little little swing with my suit. All right. So in, uh, on Instagram, I did a video about this map update on Google Maps. That I thought was pretty cool. So Google Maps has now um, turned 100 landmarks into these photorealistic aerial views. Uh, popular landmarks in Barcelona, London, New York, San Francisco, and Tokyo. And this is their first step towards this immersive view. And this is going to be phenomenal when it actually happens. So let me tell you about these. Uh, what you want to do is go on your Google Maps, look up something like, and I looked up like 100 of these things to see which ones they have. They have a bunch. Leaning Tower of Pisa, Empire State Building, London Eye, Statue of Liberty, Eiffel Tower, Mount Rushmore, Buckingham Palace, Palace of Versailles in France. So look up one of those things I just mentioned, and you'll see underneath on Google Maps, like a little 360 spinning version of it. Tap that, and you'll see Google has created these like photorealistic views of these popular landmarks that you can look at. Right now, they're very basic. They're kind of rudimentary. But this is all working towards what Google calls immersive view. So in the future, very near future, they're using AI to pair all those street view images that, you, that they've taken over the years with satellite and aerial imagery. So basically, the idea that they're, what they're doing is they will, they will eventually let you walk around anywhere in the world virtually. So right now, yes, yeah, street view, you can walk down a street, you can look left, you can look right. It's not very good. But what they're going to do is they're going to merge where you can fly, swoop down into something, look at the street, stand around, look around, then walk into a restaurant that's on that street and see what that restaurant looks like. So this is stuff that is going to be incredible. Obviously, it is well-suited for VR, virtual reality. Um, Google knows that in the future, we're going to put on these VR headsets like the one I was talking about earlier, and we're going to just, like for say, for instance, if you're going to Rome or if you're going to Paris, you're going to walk to your hotel. You're going to walk down the street where your hotel is. You're going to look up at your hotel. Then you're going to walk into your hotel and check it out. And they're building that right now. It is so, so cool. I am so excited about that. Um, and we'll see how cool it is. I, I, I have very high hopes for this. It's going to be like street view, but very immersive and and just way more than what we have today. So this little these little landmarks and aerial 3D is just kind of a, a small indication of what's to come and I think it's going to be really cool. So look one of those up, see how they made them, see how they look kind of like you're like, "Wait, is that computer generated? Is that a real video? Is that a picture?" It's all of it mixed together. So very, very cool Google. All right, let's see if I can do one more question before we have to uh, go. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Ruth says, I enjoy your segment on Fox 8 News in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm hoping that you have a segment on tablets. I've always had a Kindle. I'd like to stay with them. I do jigsaw puzzles. I read and I do word games on my tablet. I don't need high power, but I do like to download my books and puzzles. Extra storage is necessary. Um, thanks, Ruth Ann. Um, yeah, I think you stick with the Fire HD 10 or 10 Plus. I think that's going to be your best tablet. The Fire tablets, I don't recommend all of the time, but I do recommend in specific use case scenarios. If you're reading books, if you're watching movies, that's all you care about. You don't need to download a bunch of apps. You're not really even surfing the web that much because I don't think it's a very good experience on the Kindle tablets. Um, absolutely. What you're talking about, jigsaw puzzles, word games, reading, downloading books and puzzles, extra storage. This has got... All of those things covered. Fire HD 10 or 10 plus. Uh, get it on sale if you can. They've got a bunch of uh, sales with the Amazon stuff. We just had them on sale for Prime Day. So they probably will go on sale right around back to school again. But definitely, I think that's a, a good thing to, to check out. 
Um, thanks so much for the question, Ruth Ann. And thanks for watching Fox 8 Cleveland. That's a powerhouse station out there. That's going to do it for this episode of the show. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer, go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash richontech. Hit the big blue send email button or go to richontech.tv. Hit the email icon. If you're on Instagram, uh, hang out because I will talk to you for a moment after I end the, the show. Also, I would love it if you would rate and review this podcast. Just go to the listening app of your choice, write a quick line about what you like about this show, help other people understand why they should listen. And if you're on Instagram, definitely subscribe to the show. Just search Rich on Tech in any audio app, including Spotify, hit subscribe, and you can get the latest episodes. You can find me on social media. I am at Rich on Tech. If you follow me on social media, please share my stuff with other people. There's no way that I'm going to be able to reach more people unless you share something that has helped you. Tell your friends, say, hey, I follow this guy. He's giving me some cool stuff. You know, I like what he does. Follow him as well. No matter where you live in the U.S., you can download the free KTLA Plus app on Apple TV, Fire TV, and Roku. Once you do, scroll to the tech section. You can watch all of my TV segments on demand. You know, TV is my primary job. So uh, my TV segments are really fun. They're interesting. They're useful. So watch them on that Fire, uh, on that KTLA Plus app. My name is Rich DeMiro. Thanks so much for listening. There are so many ways you can spend an hour of your time. I do appreciate you spending it right here with me. I'm going to talk to you real soon. Take care.